Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. For the next three months, our children and family ministry will be online only. We are creating video content that includes challenges for kids as well as activities for families to do together. We encourage you to watch those videos and participate with us each week. Our 9 a.m. worship service will continue to be both in person and online so that you can join us in whichever way you feel most comfortable. And now, here is today's message. Today, we continue on in a series where it's knowing you. It's a a, a talk and a series of messages I'm doing on the topic of your identity, your identity in Christ, how big a deal that is, And, and how when I've asked the question, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Of course, we could ask, I could ask that to a bunch of you, and you would go, you know, get a diversity of uh, answers or whatever. But the reality is, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, you, your identity is in Christ. That's your identity. That's, that's a big deal. And we, then, then what we do is, your identity is in Christ, and we are image bearers of, we are image bearers of God. When you look in the mirror, you, you get to see a, a glimpse of God because you were created in his image. And, and the way that you image God is through your head, through your heart, through your, through your hands, through the way that you learn and grow and the way that you emote the passions and desires of God and, and the way that you re, uh, show the world your love and compassion for people. Uh, th- those are the ways that we image God. Then I've been taking you through Ephesians. It's a, uh, basically a, a, that practical journey of who you are in Christ. So that's why we're looking at Ephesians. Um, and, and either your identity is in Christ or your identity is in what? Idolatry. So what happens is if Christ isn't your identity, then it doesn't matter if your identity is in your spouse or in your children or in your dog or whatever. That literally, that's what you place <clears throat> higher than Christ. So your, your identity is either in Christ or in idolatry. And so last couple of weeks, I shared that your identity is that of a saint, according to what I'm reading from the text of scripture. And your identity is one of, you are blessed. That's your identity in, in Jesus. And, and today, I'm looking at this, this idea of, if you want to know your identity in Christ, it's one of immense appreciation. And this is so basic, it is, it is, because um, some of you go, well, I get that, and I, but, but there are so many that truly don't, and or you go, I know it here, but I really don't know it here. And so I'm going to help us hopefully wrestle this down a little bit and understand the implications of you walking in that identity, because if you don't walk in the identity of appreciation, appreciation what often happens is train wrecks all over the place, whether that's in your uh, family life, in your school life, whatever, because you don't understand how Jesus, how God thinks of you. So, all right, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. If you have it, go ahead, follow along, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, and listen to these words from Paul to the Ephesians, to us, and what Jesus thinks of us. Ever since, he says, I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. I have not stopped thanking God for you or appreciating you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight, or if you were to read another version, a spirit of wisdom and revelation 
and insight for you to grow in your knowledge of God, verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power to us, for us, who believe him. In this, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Which right now, if you're wondering, he's there. We try to comprehend that. But he's interceding on my behalf, on your behalf, as we seek him. Okay? So he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and and in God's right hand in heavenly realms, verse 21, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under his authority and under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of what? The church, which is you, if you call yourself a Christian. And, and has made him head over all things, benefit of the church, verse 23, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen. I mean, man, those are, I encourage you, if you're wondering, what do I do with the sermon that Jason speaks or whatever, just go home, ponder those words, read those for the week, and I'm telling you, if you'll allow them to sink in, they're transformative. They really are. Ephesians is incredible in what Paul has to say. Okay, appreciation identity. We all like it, right? Who, does, who here doesn't like to be appreciated? Who online? You don't like to be appreciated? Nah, I don't want anybody to, you know, be thankful for me. No, we, that'd be goofy. We'd all go, no, we want somebody to be, be thankful. And, and when you're not, how do you feel? Some of you go, I, I don't really care. No, no, not really. You know, um, okay. We all wrestle with this, and I think it's because our Heavenly Father has wired us in a way that He wants us to know of His thankfulness and appreciation, the blessing, who you are in Christ. And, and so that's why I think when Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, speaks this stuff out, it's, it's, it's coming from the heart of God into your life. It's coming out. It's what I think of you. It's what I think of you. In the early 2012 and early 2012 Patrick Stump, the former lead singer of Fall Out Boy, I don't know if you, any of you musicians or whatever, a multi-platinum selling pop band posted in his blog that he was thinking of leaving the music industry. He titled the post, We Liked You Better Fat, Confessions of a Perea, okay? And Stump shared that the commercial failure of his solo album, as well as the negative criticism of Fall Out Boy's latest album, left him feeling as if he had received some big cosmic sign that says he should disappear. In the post, he told how once adoring fans mocked him on the road and yelling out that, that they like him better when he was fat, sending threatening letters to his home and telling him that he is nothing without his band. He went on to say, the reality is that for a certain number of people, I've, all I've ever done, all I will ever do, and all I've ever had the capacity to do, he says, worth a damn, was a record I began recording when I was 18 years old. The truth is, wherever and whoever I am, I will never be the kid from take this to your grave again. I am deeply sorry. I can't be. I truly am. No irony, no sarcasm. 
I hate waking up every morning knowing I'm disappointing so many people. I hate feeling like the awkward adult husk of a discarded, once cute child actor. Intense words. And I thought in, in, in reading about that confession, and the, that it, no, no matter how rich you are, no matter how popular you are, no matter how much you have, the, the, the feelings that you're not valued, that you're not appreciated, still matters. And, and honestly, it's crippling. It's devastating. When people don't understand their identity as one of appreciation. And so, when you're faced with not feeling valued or appreciated, you have one of two choices. One of two choices. Do you believe what the world says about you? Which, by the way, everything out there right now, you can read stuff and you can look at stuff and you're comparing stuff like never before. And therefore, you can be like, oh, I'm sad about what." Our Heavenly Father's going, no, no, no. You don't have to worry about what the world says about you. But we do need to not worry. Understand what God says about us. What God says about us. And what we choose to believe will change the trajectory of your life in, in, in a dramatic way. And so we live in <clears throat> here. Let me explain this a little bit so that we can understand a little bit about who, who we are. Do, do you think we live in an increasingly kind world? No, I think we live in an increasingly rude world. In fact, uh, coming back from uh, Waxahachie yesterday on the road, um, you know, I, I have been driving down the highway and somebody like, or is getting off on, on an exit ramp or whatever, and a car will pull in front of me, and it did, and like put its brakes on. And I told my wife, man, I just want to ram that car. I just, I want, I want to, I want to show them that, that they were rude and whatever. And I want to make them feel the pain of my sorrow. Okay. Go. I mean, so, so why? Because uh, we're kind of the king of our world, aren't we? We want things our way. We, we, I mean, go, go get on an airplane. You ever, you ever flown, you know, whatever? And, and you'll watch as people, I mean, from cramming their stuff into those bins to getting their seat to, to wanting what they want. I mean, literally, that's, <laughs> uh, we, we often like to be treated as gods, don't we? And it's not just people that you're like, well, they're out there doing, no, no. We, even uh, those of us that call ourselves Christians, feel like and think that we have this higher standard or this higher way of should be being treated and to varying degrees we're all uh, guilty of participating in what i call cultural rudeness just cultural rudeness and and so which of us haven't become jealous when others succeed you hate maybe yet we hate uh when we're on the, the, the this end of rudeness of where people are rude to us but then when we are rude or whatever we just don't think much about it and we're like oh yeah they'll be they'll be okay so, question, how does it feel to be neglected, to be unappreciated? Online, how does it feel? If you get overlooked, if you don't get appreciated, how do you feel? Go ahead and answer. Hurt. Exhausted. Yeah. Sad. Sad. Yeah, great words. What? Insignificant. Insignificant. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. 
Do it online. Type it in. Okay? If you're feeling that way, and some of us I know in this room are, some of you online may, I know I have at times, if you're feeling that way, and there's good news. God sees everything you do. He sees everything you do. He knows and understands and he knows the sacrifice, the way you're growing and the people you serve and the times you're generous and the impact you make. And, ah, this is so basic. And he appreciates you. Say this, God appreciates me. God appreciates me. God appreciates me. That's big. You know, so when you're driving in your car today and you're, you're going to work or you're engaging people that, that God actually is very thankful and appreciative for your life. And if you understand your identity in that way, what that does is it transforms the way you engage others. Some people think it's wrong for Christians to receive appreciation. But why should I think it's wrong to receive appreciation when the God who created me and gave me the talents and gifts, <laughs> that, that literally when somebody goes, you were so good at doing this or doing that, I'm like, no, 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 no. No, take it. You know why? Because the things that are done in me and through me are none other than the result of God's spirit working in and through me. Period. Now, there are those that would be like the donkey going into Jerusalem that Jesus rode on, that when they're putting all the palm branches down and cheering, oh, uh, that the donkey thinks the praise is for him. That's just not reality. Okay? The reality is, is the praise is for God. But when somebody comes to you, don't, don't walk in this false humility. Take it and say, yes, but God, you get the glory for that. And even if you go, well, well I didn't say that. God gets the glory. No, no. God knows your heart. So, I love what Ephesians 2.10 says. For you are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus. So you can do good things that he planned for you long ago. So, don't forget to appreciate those whom God, whom God works in and through. And God is glorified when we appreciate others and thank them for their work. And uh, so, Paul... Now, we're back in Ephesians here. Paul's appreciation was incredible, and it was very personal. And Ephesians was the only city, city which Paul ministered to for an extended period of time through the books that he wrote and the letters he wrote. At the time, and at the end of his time, he, he gave a speech to the Ephesian leaders. And he knew that there was going to be those that would reject, turn their back on him, and that they would literally cause all kinds of dissension and, and even though he knew that, he still spoke into their life and said, I'm grateful and thankful and appreciative to God for you. And they then, in Acts 20, 36 through 38, it says, when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them, and they all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because what? They wouldn't see him again, and they escorted him down to the ship. And so Paul's appreciation to God and others for this loving service appears throughout his letters. So I'm going to read you. I'm going to do, do something here that I hope, hope encourages just the socks right off of you. Okay? And I didn't put this up here today because I want you to intentionally not look here, but listen to these words. Okay? Paul 
wrote words of appreciation and thankfulness more than anybody else in all of Scripture. So you're going to receive these now, I hope you do, as your own. Here you go. So put your name into what I read. Romans 1.8. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you. Corinthians, I always thank my God for you. Every time, Philippians, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Colossians, I always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thessalonians, I always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, after all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before the Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. It's you. Think about that. When Jesus returns, he's, his crown of joy is you. Do you believe that? Big words. How we thank God for you, Thessalonians, going on. Because, you have, because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. Second Thessalonians, dear brothers, sisters, we can't help but thank God for you. Because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Second Thessalonians, as for us, we can't help but thank God for you. Dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, we are always thankful that God shows you to be among the first to experience salvation. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy through your belief in the truth. I love what he says in 2 Timothy. I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Last one, Philemon. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So, God is aware of what you do. God is aware of what you do and sees the unseen things that you do for him. And Paul knew that he was what? His identity was in Jesus. And he was greatly appreciated. And I mean, come on, you would have to be to go through what Paul faced. You'd have to be. Why would, you, why would you continue to go through the sorrows and the pain and the suffering and the anguish and all that unless you go, he values me. He loves me. And therefore, you know why Paul could inject this and infuse this into the lives of these churches? Was because he knew his identity was in Christ. Your identity in Christ is one of appreciation. 
It helped Paul through these trials and harsh criticisms and loneliness and brutal opposition. And Christians that understand their identity, it's one of immense appreciation. We'll do some exchange, and I'll try to explain this real quick. Okay. I often seek, as I, as I minister and, and work with people, to know whether they're secure in their identity and understand their identity because I watch as we engage. And so some of these spin out of that, and, and, and I hope it will help us. And just so you know, I don't have all this figured out at all, but I'm working through it. Okay, so if you are, and you are functioning in identity appreciation, appreciated people, first, exchange grumbling, complaining, for praying. Anybody grumble? Yeah, some days, a lot. And Jesus is our ultimate example in Luke 23, 34. If there was ever an individual that had the right to grumble, it might be Jesus. He's like, gosh, everybody is just driving me bonkers. They're always nitpicking and calling me out and saying these things and trying to trick me and deceive me. And they literally want to kill me. And then he he then goes to the cross and, and they're sitting there casting lots over his clothes and throwing dice. And he says this, Father, verse 34, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Jesus knew the appreciation and gratefulness that God had on his life and, of course, who he was and his identity. Matthew three seventeen goes into the water of baptism. He's, Jesus, the heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father says to his son, this is my dearly loved son, Matthew three seventeen, who brings me great joy. When you know that now your identity is in Christ's righteousness, did you hear that? When you know that your identity is in Christ's righteousness, that means you are clean. That means that the day you walk, the day you live, everything that you're doing has different meaning, different purpose. And literally, when, when you think about grumbling, you ought, think, ought to think about the reality that you are right with God. Why is that such a struggle for us to believe that? Question online. Why is that a struggle for us to believe that? That we are made righteous in Christ. And it's done once and for all through his death, your rightness, through Christ. Why is that a struggle for us to buy that? Question. Because Satan continually lies. Be aware of that. Anybody else? Maybe we're not renewing our minds. We're not allowing our, our, our head to understand that who we are in Christ. Anybody else? Feeling sorry for ourselves. Absolutely. And then we're going, oh, I can't be right? How many of you wake up in the morning and go, mm, I feel right? Man, I just feel right right now. 
you know? And here's the reality is, you can do that for the rest of your life because that's your identity. In the spiritual realm, in your identity in Christ, that is what you are. And what that does is instead of you being bitter, you then ultimately move to praying because now it's based out of a relationship that you understand that and grow to understand that. So your prayer life will reveal to you who you trust in and who you're in relationship with. So you don't have to live with bitterness and anger. Christians who understand their identity is one of immense appreciation, exchange grumbling for praying. Second, exchange competing for celebrating. Exchange competing for celebrating. And uh, when, you're, <laughs> when you feel like you're unappreciated, you tend to go into like this mode that says, oh, I'm going to show everybody <laughs> that I'm worthy of appreciation. I remember in high school, I, uh, I thought that I could play basketball really well. And the reality was is I couldn't. Okay, was, I just wasn't that great. But I tried, I went out, and all my buddies and all that were just better at me, and my son, Sam, is way better than me. And, 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 and all, anyway, and I remember the coach coming to me and said, hey, Jason, <laughs> have you ever thought about being a statistician? It's true. Have you ever thought about being a statistician? And I'm like, <sighs> and I was smart enough to know, you mean I'm not gonna make it? He said, no, but, but. He said, you are really a guy that encourages the team on. He says, I see that. Would you like to journey with us? Be on the bus, have all the same privileges as the team. You're just going to be the statistician. Man, I wrestled with that. But I'll tell you, as the season went on and we were one game away from state, state I just remember going, okay, God. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to celebrate the successes of these guys regardless if I get anything out of it. And so... Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So do you celebrate other successes? Okay? You see, Christians that understand their identity is one of immense appreciation will exchange grumbling for praying, competing, for celebrating, and then will exchange bitterness. What? Bitterness, that is anger, resentment, for thankfulness. Thankfulness. And when you forget or we forget that God appreciates us and we don't feel appreciated by others, we can become bitter against people and God. Have you ever met anybody who's become bitter and resentful against God? Yeah. We all may wrestle with this, but we don't have to stay there. Some, some people stop serving. I know individuals, not only that have been part of New Hope, other ministries in the past that I've been part of, that, that literally they walk away and they stop serving, they stop being a part of the church, and they go, honestly, I love God, but I'm not interested in the church. Which, by the way, can't happen. Because when you know and are in relationship with God, you'll love the very thing that is dear to him, which is the church, which is the body, and Jesus being the head. So when your mind and your life is renewed, what happens is that you'll begin to move in relationship again. And if you go, no, no, I'm not interested in that, then you've not been renewed and you've not been transformed and you still have broken pieces that need to be put together. So, at a student ministries pastor, years ago and um, he, uh, 
he wasn't, it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. And I realized, wow, I don't know that this guy really has what it takes. And it was, it's brutal. Just so you brutal. I said, hey, um, let's sit down. And, and I said, I think that the Lord may be calling you on to another type of work. What? You're telling me I went to Bible school and got training and did all this, and you're telling me that it did and and literally I'll never forget when we walked out the door, he was so bitter against me, so angry against me, so angry against God, all that. And and, and I all, I said, I will pray for you. All that. I'm gonna tell you, it was probably a decade later that he sends me an email through. And he said, I've been so bitter and angry against you and against the church. But I realized that you were right. And I asked for forgiveness. And he said, God has gifted me, and I won't tell you what he does, but such a craft that literally I love what I do. Man, isn't it, it's stuff like that. But, but in, in walking in thankfulness, people think if no one appreciates, why do I, why do I try? Paul, I mean, Ephesians 1.16, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. So my question to you is, are you bitter against God or someone else because of their gifts, opportunities, blessings, fruitfulness that you covet for yourself? And has that bitterness soured your soul and affected your friendship with Jesus and others? And if it has, I'll pray for you today. Christians that understand their identity is one of immense appreciation Exchange grumbling for praying, competing for celebrating, bitterness for thankfulness, and performance for serving. Matthew 9, Matthew 18, Jesus' disciples, and I'm not going to read the whole text here just because of time. But if you think, gosh, I have this issue with performing, and, and Jesus' disciples were chief among it going, you know what, here's the deal. It'd be like me sitting down with Sam today and having lunch with you. And, hey, Sam, who do you think is the greatest between you and me? Just so you, just so you know. And just, by the way, that would be me, right? Okay? And so that'd be a goofy conversation. And, and we, but here's the thing. The disciples had this conversation. And they, and they didn't just have the conversation. They had it in front of Jesus, God in the flesh. <laughs> and, and they're going, and Jesus says, hey, I want you to know that if, unless you become like this little child, it really doesn't matter. You're not going to see Jesus. You're not going to see me again, and you're not going to experience the, the greatness of heaven and your relationship with God because the, the, these little children are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I mean, and then, and then he goes on to even say, and if you cause somebody to stumble, it'd be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck, which I think is a drastic analogy. We're going to just put a rock around your neck and throw you in and, and you're going to drown. What Jesus, I think, was saying is that I really want you to get the idea. <laughs> I really want you to get the idea. Therefore, it's drastic. <laughs> and, and it sounds painful. So I love Isaiah 42, and I will read this all, this propheticness out of Isaiah into the life of Christ. Isaiah writes, look at my servant whom I strengthen." He is my chosen one. This is speaking of Jesus, who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. 
He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. And what he, in essence, was saying is that Jesus is going to take the sin of the world and all the justice that should have occurred to you and upon your life. He's covering it. He's going to make it right. You see, in the kingdom of God, greatness is is determined not by how many people you serve, but by how many people how many people serve you, but by how many people you serve. It's not by how many people come and give you pats on the back and praise and appreciation. It's about your service to him. And by the way, this is kind of a big deal. Who doesn't like a reward? Do you know the Bible is filled with rewards-based life, living? It's about the fact that what you do unseen, what you do For the least of these, what you do that nobody acknowledges, I'm actually going to reward you. I'm actually going to give you something in heaven one day that that you don't comprehend. And it's okay, because I don't know if you've ever, like, put your work gloves on, so to speak, and thought, honestly, God, this one's a struggle, but I'm going to tell you, I'm really looking for that reward. Do you know it's okay to say that? Because God was the one who thought of it. God thought of it, that your service, the stuff you do, the stuff you do, he is the instigator. Okay, Mark ten forty three. But among you, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, Mark ten forty five, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so knowing God appreciates us, moves from this performance-based, and, and I get it, we, in our culture, what are we more about? Self, recognition, look at me. And I wonder if we haven't got sucked into that because when we understand our identity is one of appreciation that God is thankful for you, performance begins to move and service begins. Performance is done for the sight and approval of others, I think. But I think that service is done knowing that God is watching and approving regardless of what anybody else or any of you say about me. Performance, often we want to focus on the big things, the visible things. But here's why your identity, of one of thankfulness and appreciation in Jesus, is it allows you to do what Sam and I did this last week. And Tammy was very aware of it when she was in the office area the toilet was clogged upstairs and we had to double triple plunge that thing for about 15 minutes and we all worked on it and it was rancid it was awful nasty do you understand that we're not looking for pats on the back we just do that and you do it here's the thing when you understand that you are appreciated by god even the menial not i mean Things that you go, that just seems purposeless. That, that literally you'll do it and won't think anything about it. You just won't. So, Christians that understand their identity is one of immense appreciation. Exchange grumbling for praying. Competing, uh, competing for celebrating. Bitterness for thankfulness. Performing for serving. Boasting. And then lastly, boasting for encouraging. Have you ever met somebody that likes to boast? Anybody like to boast? You know, talk about themselves and so forth. Does that irritate you? 
Okay? Why does it irritate you? Why do you think it irritates you? I think because <laughs> we all are guilty of wanting to. I think we all, we all, when we hear somebody boast and whatever, is like there may even be an underlying jealousy or we're just going, they're, they're annoying me because of, here's the thing, when you walk in your identity of gratefulness and thankfulness and you understand that you are appreciated, I don't care if somebody sits there and rambles on about themselves and how great and amazing and wonderful and all that they are, I, I, here's what I pray for them, that the Lord will begin to transform them because more than likely they're insecure in who they are. And they're wrestling with identity. Because they're looking for validation from who? From you. And my identity and my appreciation and my thankfulness doesn't have to come from you. It comes from my identity in Christ. It comes from my identity in Christ. And if we truly believe that God appreciates us, we can stop boasting and start encouraging and being like, yes. And start loving people and sharing ways both God and we appreciate them. And Paul does this all the time. And, and one of the ways, and one of the most revealing ways to discover whether or not we truly believe that God appreciates us is to consider your prayer life. Prayer simply means communicating in the simplest form. It's communicating with God. And those of us that know or grow to know that God appreciates them pray frequently there's something about a heart that when you get up in the morning you go god i'm thankful for a heartbeat god i'm i'm thankful you're at work and you're going god i may not be making all the money that i want to make but i'm thankful i got a job god you know what my spouse may annoy the fire out of me right now but i'm thankful for her or him god i uh, i'm out in nature and and it may be drizzling a little bit. <laughs> I don't care. I'm thankful for the air I breathe and the life I live and the beauty of nature. You journal and you write your thoughts down. Prayer isn't just kneeling, though it can be. It's a posture of your life. The way you live your life. And that's, I think, why roughly half of Ephesians is composed of a prayer it's literally a book of prayer. One author wrote, Ephesians is a book of prayer. Literally, it is a book of prayer. Do you realize that about half of the book of Ephesians is a prayer, prayer reports, prayer requests, invitations to pray, even outlines of prayers that Paul has prayed for the Ephesian Christians for, and for you and for me. Why? Because there's this, it's revealing of what you truly believe. Why would you pray? Why would you engage in relationship in prayer with your Heavenly Father? Why would you? Because you understand that he appreciates you and loves you. But if you don't think that, if you don't believe that, then you might just stand off. You might go, I don't know that he sees me that way. Or you're like, I'm really angry at him. And so therefore there's something separating you. But your prayer life says a lot about how, whether your identity is in Jesus. And understanding that he, our Heavenly Father, appreciates us. One pastor, Bible teacher says, we might very well ask, what do you mean, Paul, when you pray that the Ephesians might come to know God better? You have taught them all these things already, right? Do you mean that they do not know them or that there's some hidden esoteric information still to come? 
No, Paul would answer. You have misunderstood me. I am not praying that the Ephesians might come to know more about God, though they probably do have a great deal more to learn, but rather that they might know him, knowing him and knowing about him are quite different. See, Angel and I were married in 1994, and we know so much about each other. But we're still learning a lot about each other. And we're learning more and better. Okay. So here's, here's the last thing. This is like your homework. This is your to-do. This is your moment. This is the application. Okay. In thinking of service, has anybody done something in your life, um, served you as Paul served the Ephesian church? Has anybody done that? Served you as Paul served the Ephesian church? Is there anyone who appreciates you, encourages you, teaches you, and prays for you? And if perhaps that's the case, then return the favor by sharing with that individual through a card, a phone call, an email, and tell them how much you appreciate them and be thankful for them and tell them that you pray for them. If not, then this is what I would say to you if you're going, well, gosh, I don't know anybody that's been invested in my life in that way or whatever. Then I would say, Take Paul's words of Ephesians to be the gift of appreciation and prayerful encouragement that you need. You need that. Receive that. And then commit, and so I say, commit to memory these words of thankfulness. Display them in your home, carry them in your purse, put them on your dash, put them on the mirror, put them wherever, and understand that when you get up, our Heavenly Father's going, I so appreciate you. And then pray that God, by God's grace, to being an appreciative person to others. You see, in Christ, your identity is what? It's one of appreciation in Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, right now, as we wrap this time up, I pray over those in this room for a clearing of any fog and a great awareness of their identity in you. And today, one of that you are so appreciative, so thankful for their life. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that would just go, I... I've wrestled with this concept. And I'm not going to call you by name, but I just want to pray for you. If you go, that's me. And I'd like prayer online. If that's you, I'll pray for you as well. Anybody that goes, man, I've wrestled this one down. Struggle with it. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, your work is not done. We have more to accomplish and do your kingdom come and your will be done. Thank you, Jesus. I pray today if there's anybody, with all heads bowed, eyes closed, if there's anybody online that you've not surrendered and given your life to Christ, that you would. The Bible says that if you ask for forgiveness of your sin, believe Jesus is Lord, Savior, ask for forgiveness of your sin, that you'll be saved. If that's you online or in this room, you pray and ask 
Jesus to forgive you and to fill you with the Spirit. Let his new work begin in you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this week, I pray, God, that this, that New Hope 365, we as a church, will live a life of, of appreciation for one another and will walk in that identity, Jesus. Thank you. In your awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to join us on our YouTube channel Friday mornings at 10 a.m. for The Truthcast, a weekly podcast from Pastor Jason. We'd also like to invite you to download the brand new New Hope 365 app where you can access media, give, and keep up with everything happening here at New Hope 365.